It's 836, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. All morning you've been hearing that highlight of uh, Keon Broxton essentially saving the game for the Brewers, a game that they absolutely needed to win, especially after just getting stomped on the night before. And uh, I was actually I was watching the game on, on TV at home, and I saw the ball leave the bat, and I'm thinking, uh-oh, here it goes. You know, two-run home run, the Brewers are going to be losing. Are they going to give this game away? Just a tremendous, tremendous play. I, I'm a, I am a Keon Broxton fan. For the last two years, um, he's been one of our opening day interviews, and I will tell you, he's just a really genuinely nice nice man um i would say a young man but he's, he's in now in his mid-20s he's one of these guys that's kind of he kind of kicked around for the minor league in the minor leagues for a number of, of years and is just darn glad to be here i mean that was that was the sense i had when i interviewed him two years ago on opening day there was first big league opening day he was just thrilled he was just as excited uh, this year I, I don't know how he plays in the brewers future with some of the other players they've got coming up but he's a really really nice guy and um obviously he's got some skills and was able to make a really big play and i was just thrilled that the brewers ended up winning um tough Tough homestand coming up. They play the Washington Nationals, and um, Washington is one of the best teams in the league. They're not L.A. Dodgers, but the Dodgers and the Nationals are probably the two best teams in the league right now. You don't know about the Cubs, but uh, it's going to be a challenge. But if they can somehow, they can win three out of four. I think that's what the goal. Would you agree with me, B.D., who's producing the show? Three out of four? Yeah, because the the Cubs aren't losing, you know, and they're, they're Brewers are three games behind in the wild card and three and a half games behind the Cubs. They, they I think they need to win three out of four, but it is definitely doable. So hopefully huge crowds at Miller Park all weekend, and if you can't get out to the game, you can hear it here. All right, we start off today's show like we start off every show. Three big things. Story number one, the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey. Whenever you have stories of tragedy or natural disaster, there are a lot of stories that come out that, that really appeal to the better angels of our nature. You, you'll hear the stories about the the people that you know get in their boats and they go and they kind of risk their life to go help save other people. You will hear about the selfless acts of courage. You will hear about the people from all over the country who get together and donate money, or they drive to Houston because they want to try to you know help their fellow man and woman. And then you have the stories on the other side. Now, I am a big believer in the whole concept of supply and demand. And the way it works in in business is that the price of something is generally – is generally determined by, again, supply and demand. How much demand is there for something and how many things of – how many of those things are out there? For example – the Brewers. We'll use the Brewers as an example. You know, they have they price tickets to games differently. If you want to go see them play, I don't know the Cincinnati Reds on a Monday night in April, that one particular seat will oftentimes cost less than if you want to see them play the Chicago Cubs on a Saturday night in July. It's the, the variable pricing. Why? Because there's more demand. To go see the Cubs game on a Saturday night in July than there is to go see the Reds game in April. And you might say, well, it's it's the same seat. Well, yeah, yeah, it's the same seat, but it's a different set of circumstances. It's based on demand. And there's nothing wrong with that at, at all. Um, you pay more a lot of times if there is a product. If you have a product that's in demand, you're going to end up paying more for it. But there are limits to this. 
there are stories emerging from Houston. And of course, you know, it's a, it's a catastrophe that, that's down there. You've got stores that are, are closed. Things are in very, very short supply. So these are some of the stories that are emerging. Uh, a Best Buy store outside of Houston. Um, this has gone viral yesterday. There are signs on it. A case of bottled water. Okay, so a case of bottled water, what would you normally pay? Somewhere, depending on where you go, 250 to 350 to 5 bucks. I mean, typically, you know, for a case of bottled water. Best Buy store outside of Houston selling selling a case of bottled water for um, $43. $43. Another one being marketed and sold for $30. Um, there are other stories out there about different ways that um, prices have been increased. Um, in some some areas, gas stations, okay, the average price for a gallon of gasoline, $2.20. People are trying to get out. Several gas stations raising their price to $3.50. A Houston convenience store raised its price to $20 a gallon. Now, I told you the Best Buy story about where the, the thing was like $25 or $30 or $40. Many businesses were selling water bottles for $8.50 a piece. Not a case of water for $8.50, but a bottle of water for $8.50. The story um, goes on and on and on. There's a Best Western about 20 miles west of Corpus Christi. Now, the demand for hotels. All right, let, let's take this as an example. You know, if you want to stay at a hotel by Lambeau Field in the middle of March on a Saturday night, you're going to get charged one rate. If you want to stay at a hotel in next to Lambeau Field of the Saturday night before a Packers game, for example, in October, you're going to pay a higher rate. They're not price gouging. It's just the whole effect of supply and demand. People, you know, going to want to stay overnight close to the Packer game. Less demand to be up there in March as a general rule. Best Western location, about 20 miles west of Corpus Christi, the normal rate is apparently um, $119 a night. They started charging $321, including taxes. Now, some people would say, hey, it's just supply and demand. Other people would say this is price gouging. Texas Texas has laws that prohibit charging exorbitant prices for necessities during times of disaster. Um, the penalties are up to $20,000 per incident, and if victims are 65 or older, the penalty is more than 10 times higher, up to $250,000. Some of these businesses say, oh, it was just a mistake. It was just a mistake. When we were pricing that bottle of water at that Best Buy, it, it was just it was a, a stock boy who got confused. Other businesses... Eh, they don't really have an explanation for what they were doing, and the real explanation is they saw an opportunity. People needed this stuff, and they decided they were going to charge a boatload of money. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Big story number one, profiteering and price gouging. I think in situations like this, what is going on now in the Houston area, just like in Katrina, just like in Hurricane Andrew or Hurricane Sandry or Sandy or any of these things, when you have businesses that suddenly jack up the cost of, again, basic services or necessities, 
I think these people who do this are not business people. Rather, I think they are pond scum. And I think the Texas Attorney General, whoever is responsible for enforcing this, should go after these people to the full extent of the law. It is, in my opinion, despicable. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Are there legitimate excuses for this? Is this just supply and demand? Do you fault the hotel for charging three times as much because people are evacuating their homes? Or are they price-gouging profiteers who deserve to be slammed by the government? 414-799-1620 is the number. And I guess nobody says that, hey, you, you don't have to buy the bottled water at Best Buy for $43 a case. You don't have to pay $20 for a, gas, a gallon of gasoline if you can find it somewhere. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 844. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Day 48, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The way we respond to natural disasters, I think, says a lot about us as a society and as a country. But then there's always the other side of that story. Things are now emerging about the profiteers and the price gougers down in the Houston area. Stores that are charging, I don't know, $40, $50, $90 for a case of bottled water that they typically sell for $350 or 4 bucks. Places that are charging $20 and $30 for a gallon of gasoline. Hotels that are charging people who are evacuating from their homes $321 a night when the room rate is normally 119 The Texas Attorney General says they're going after these people. I say absolutely. I do not think this is the free market. This is price gouging. Joe in Port Washington. Joe, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Um, I was at the Super Bowl a few years back when mm-hmm. the Panthers were there, and you know we paid three times the amount for our hotel rooms that weekend. Right. Uh, that's just not right, and I think that these guys are gouging in Texas. If, they, if the Attorney General gets them, they get everything they deserve. Yeah, I, thanks for the call. I mean, here, here, here's the difference. I, I was at the Super Bowl as well, the one, the one in Dallas. I mean, here's, here's the difference. that The laws on price gouging talk about in times of an emergency. And, and to me, that this is – nobody says you've got to go to the Super Bowl. All right, that's that is like, and I I went there as well. I know exactly what you mean. We you know we were shopping around for hotels, and and it, it's like you go to Arizona in, during spring training. You go to Arizona in March, and you're going to pay more for a hotel room. You're going to pay more for a rental car because there's a greater demand that's there. Nobody made you and me go to the Super Bowl, Joe. And I think we we had a great opera. You know, it was it was great. It was fun. But you understand, okay, that's one where you've got lots of people coming in. There's lots of demand. That's we don't have to go to the Super Bowl. So if we decide, all right, I've got an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl, but you know what? It's just too pricey. Okay, your life isn't going to be over if you don't go to the Super Bowl. It would be disappointing, but it's not, not going to end. This, to me, is different. I guess I see a distinction because these are necessities. I mean, you know, you okay, you need water. So you, you've got to get that bottled water. The regular water is shut off or whatever. So it, it's a necessity. You know, you need to have that hotel room. You need to have the ga- the gasoline so you can get out of town. It is exploiting people at their lowest. So, again, that's why I see a distinction. I'm a free market guy. I don't necessarily have an issue. Like I say, I mean, I understand. What's, where's the Super Bowl? Minneapolis this year? Super Bowl's in Minneapolis. Um, if you... 
you know, for people who are lucky enough to get tickets, I fully expect that because of that whole supply and demand thing that I was talking about, you know, you're, you're going to have to pay a lot more for the hotel room. I, I get that. I understand it. But nobody says you've got to go to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, if, you're, if you've lost your home and you've got no power, uh, yes, and, and you're running on, you know, battery, you need batteries for your flashlight or you need ice. Um, to put in a cooler so you can keep some food for your kids, you know, cold and things like that. You don't have a choice about things like that. And that's where the profiteering, that's where the price gouging comes in, and that's where anybody who does this, and these excuses that you're getting, well, you know, we didn't realize this, or this was a mistake, BS. I mean, I just, I, I'm, I'm calling BS on that. I don't believe that that's going on because you don't hear these stories otherwise. Gee, you know, three or four weeks ago, that employee who was pricing the water, he, he, he didn't make a mistake then in putting the prices out. I mean, it's just to me, again, that this example of some of the bottom feeders that are out there in the world, and I would lump, I would lump the profiteers running these businesses in to an extent with some of the people, the concerns are that you've got looting that's going on down there as well. And I understand, you know, looters aren't the same as the profiteers and the price gougers. But, um, you know, this this is just one of those situations where it, it's a way of trying to exploit a natural tragedy and a disaster. All right, we're going to take a quick break. It's 8.53. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. When we come back, big story number two. Another example of how the Milwaukee County court system and the people in it, the judges, the court commissioners, aren't doing their jobs, and people are dying. Stick around. It's 8.53. (laughs) It's 856, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. He's been one of the president's harshest critics. While considered by some as a rising star among House Republicans, what does Wisconsin Congressman Mike Gallagher, who is a rising star, great guy, hope to see when it comes to tax reform, health care, and other agenda items? He joins Scafidi and Billstead at 135 this afternoon. All right, big story number two. Couldn't start off with this because as much as the profiteering in Houston makes my blood pressure go up, this one drives me through the roof. Milwaukee County judges and court commissioners aren't doing their job. The catch and release system where people who are dangerous get released on cash signature bail, um, they're supposed to be monitored, they aren't continues to frustrate me and people are dying as a result of it remember that story a little while back where you had the multiple drunk driver who was out on multiple bails who had violated his bond who then drives in the passenger on in the on the side of the road hits the guy from canada who has stopped the good samaritan to change the people's tires all right the i team on today's tmj4 my friend courtney garish had an update on that story i want to play it for you Carolyn George, back in March, Schiller was facing his fifth OWI charge, but a Milwaukee County court did not order him to wear a bracelet that constantly monitors for alcohol use. In last month's deadly crash, the criminal complaint shows Schiller's blood alcohol level was almost two times the legal limit. 
When Frank Schiller reportedly hit and killed Peter Enns July 8th on the shoulder of I-94 near Delafield, he was already facing drinking and drug charges in three different counties. State of Wisconsin versus Frank Schiller. This is court audio from mid-March of Schiller's initial appearance in Milwaukee County for his fifth OWI charge, a felony. Mr. Schiller appears in person in custody. MPD found him passed out in the driver's seat of a running car. According to the criminal complaint, Schiller admitted to using heroin and cocaine. So Mr. Schiller, I read this criminal complaint and I do find that it contains probable cause. A court commissioner, not a judge, presided over Schiller's appearance. The state requested a $2,500 cash bail along with drug and alcohol supervision. Schiller's attorney argued his last charge involving alcohol was in 2008. You're saying most of the evidence is it's narcotic, not alcohol. Because of that, the court commissioner decided a scram bracelet that monitors around the clock for alcohol use would not be effective. I think that's not a necessary resource to be used on you. Schiller was ordered to maintain absolute sobriety and show up for drug and alcohol testing. He was then released on a signature bond, meaning Schiller didn't have to come up with any cash to stay out of jail. I'm troubled when we have uh, non-elected officials making a bail decision. Democratic Representative Fred Kessler is a retired judge now serving in the state assembly. After the Schiller crash, he proposed a bill that would require elected judges set felony bonds in larger counties. That regulation would have applied in the case brought against Schiller back in March when the court commissioner set bail as a signature bond. If a judge had said it, uh, then the judge should be held accountable for it, but a judge didn't set it. And a court commissioner can't be held accountable by voters. Representative Kessler also hopes this bill will lead to fewer judge substitutions in cases. That judge ought to be responsible from the bail decision all the way to the sentencing decision. And Kessler says he does have some GOP support for his bill. Again, Schiller is in court tomorrow for a preliminary hearing. He's being held at the Waukesha County Jail on a $1 million cash bail. Now, the I-team also looked at issues of noncompliance where Schiller violated his signature bond. Any answers on that yet? No, George, not at all. We sent an emails and we called the chief judge, Maxine White. She's not answered any of our questions or provided a statement. Schiller violated the conditions of his supervision in the Milwaukee County case twice. The court was notified of, but Judge Pedro Colon never issued a warrant, so Schiller was out on supervision when he allegedly caused that deadly crash. Far too many of these stories. Thank you very much, Courtney. There are so many things to say about this story, and we will cover them all coming up. It's 9 o'clock. Stick around. It's 9.09. This is Jeff Wagner. So glad to have you with us. Um, it's been about 48 hours since I have been a member of the Twitterverse. Um, yes, it's um, drag kicking and screaming into the 21st century. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620 and trying to post things, giving you a little heads up about what's going to be going on in the program and some background on, on some of the things we talk about and also some fun stuff as well. So you can follow me, Jeff Wagner 620. I am now on Twitter. All right, right before the break. Big thing number two, the, the ongoing controversy is really brought home involving this case involving a guy named Frank Schiller, who is um, going to be in court on 16 felony charges. This is the guy who um, was facing his fifth OWI charge last March. 
a Milwaukee County court commissioner released him on a signature bond, which means he didn't have to put up a dime. And despite being asked by the prosecutor to make this character wear a a bracelet that would monitor him for alcohol use, the court commissioner decided not to do that. Um, There are other examples there where the guy apparently violated his bond. Pedro Colon, who is the Milwaukee County Circuit Judge, who was responsible for this case, and in my opinion, is one of the worst judges in Milwaukee County. I don't know if he's the worst. He might be, but he's one of the worst, in, in my opinion. And Because saying you're the worst judge in Milwaukee County is saying a lot. But Cologne might be the worst. But he apparently was notified that this guy had violated his bond conditions on multiple occasions and did nothing about it. So then what ultimately happens is July 8th, Schiller gets himself drunk um, and then is driving on the shoulder of I-94 near Delafield, and he plows into a, a good Samaritan, a man who from Canada who had stopped um, by the side of the road and was helping this family change a flat tire on their van. I remember when this first happened, we talked to relatives of, of the family. Uh, the the drunk driver Schiller, who should not have been out on bail, and also who should have been, at the very least, been being monitored for alcohol use. But of course, in Milwaukee County, even if you violate your bail, the judges don't do anything about it. Um, the drunk driver slams into the Good Samaritan who's changing the tire. Also hits the van, as I recall, knocking the van. And the van had kids in it. This could have been much, much worse. But the underlying fact is the man shouldn't have been out on bail in the first place. Now, there's many aspects of this to talk about. First of all, once again, it demonstrates the quality of judge that you have in Milwaukee County. And there are some very good judges there, but there are some real losers. There are political hacks There are people who are more concerned with, I I think, trying not to get defense attorneys upset with them. So they make these decisions that put us at at risk. They also just turn their back when it finds out that people who've been released have committed other offenses. No, we don't want to revoke them. But one of the worst aspects of the system, and this, I was trying to think about this today. This may be the first time in... 35 years that I have ever agreed with now State Representative Fred Kessler. Fred Kessler, who was renowned. I mean, when when Fred was in the legislature the first time on the bench, everybody used to refer to him as Red Fred. I mean, he's he's he is as close to a socialist as you will come. Um, in my opinion, Fred Kessler has bottled up and uh, in in his various tenures on the state uh, in the state legislature, he has working with some of his allies been responsible for bottling up in my opinion a lot of really good anti-crime legislation over the years. He's also a, a former Milwaukee County judge, now he's a state representative. He is as far to the left, I, I think, as you can can get, or almost as far to the left as you can get. I don't know that I've ever agreed with Fred Kessler about anything. But you know what? This is one, BD, who's producing the show, mark the tape, because Fred Kessler is absolutely right. Uh, what he was telling Courtney Garish on today's TM, on Channel 4 yesterday. Um, what happens is, in Milwaukee County and in other large counties, they have a system where court commissioners set bail. 
court commissioners are not elected by the, the people like circuit judges are. Court commissioners are hired by the judges to perform sort of routine tasks. And the screening for court commissioners, let me put it like this. Um, I, I think it's, I think it would be fair to say that it is lax. Some of the people who serve as court commissioners are, are great, great lawyers with a lot of experience. Some are buddies of people in the judicial system. Um, becoming a court commissioner is not just what you know, but believe me, it is who you know as well. But the problem is these court commissioners, they're not accountable to anybody. So they set these these bails, for example, and if it turns out to be absolutely ridiculous, there, there's nobody to held, be held accountable. Now, at least theoretically, if you have a judge who makes a series of bad decisions, Pedro Colon, what you can do is when that judge next comes up for election, theoretically, now this doesn't really happen in reality, but somebody can run against them. And, and you can have somebody who says, look, look at the decisions this judge is making. Here, I, I'm, I'm going to run against them. Court commissioners, there, there's no accountability at all. So it's it's only a small part of the system because, I mean, let's face it, with some of the judges that you have, particularly around here, um, even if they were the ones that were setting bail, it wouldn't necessarily guarantee you that the right thing would be done. But these unelected court commissioners who have a lot of authority, because the truth is, if somebody, you know, if somebody gets out on bail, all right, maybe they're going to skip bail. Maybe they're going to violate terms of their condition, whatever, and you can't hold them accountable. So what Fred Kessler, who's now in the legislature, is saying is, here's what we need. We need a law that says in the larger counties, when it comes to these serious crimes, when it comes to felonies, the court commissioners can't be the one that set the bail. We want to have the circuit judges do it, again, with the idea that there can at least be some accountability. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I understand this does not solve the whole problem because you've got a lot of circuit judges that make some really bizarre decisions. Or when presented with evidence that suggests that somebody has violated the terms and conditions of their release, they should be revoked, but they don't do anything about it. So that's not going to solve that. But as a starting point, to get very important decisions out of the hands of unelected people... I think is what I would describe a good first step. And interestingly, this legislation that Kessler is talking about has bipartisan support. There's some very conservative Republicans who are on board with this as well. 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Big story number two. Uh, yeah, we need more accountability in the court system, and we need to take important decisions, in my opinion, like bail decisions, out of the hands of unelected and therefore unaccountable people. 414-799-1620. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 917. This is Jeff Wagner. We've got all the bases covered for you on Brewers 360 tomorrow at 815. Hear from the people behind Milwaukee's baseball team during Wisconsin's morning news. Sponsored by Wasco Windows and Financial Engines. Okay, I have a true story to tell you about my pillow. All right, I've been talking for the last week about my pillow and how it, I started using it, helped my neck pain, things like that. A friend 
said, Jeff, I want to borrow your pillow, your my pillow, so my husband can try it out. And I said, well, there's no reason to you have to you don't have to do that. You can they've got a 60 day money back guarantee. Order them. You'll love them. No, no, no. Let me try it out. So I lent my friend my pillow for her husband. And then I didn't get it back. It was like, apparently, they liked it so well, I thought I was going to get it back the next day. Day after day after day goes by, and finally, it's like, I want my pillow back. Oh, all right. So, I mean, here's the bottom line of this. It, the, look, my pillow is great. I have been using this product for a while now, and the truth is, I went back with because I lent my pillow to someone else. I was sleeping on these crummy older pillows, and my neck, neck ache came back. So, I, I'm just telling you, this works for me. And now... By using the promo code WAGNER, you can take advantage of a special they're offering to WTMJ listeners. My pillow is so sure you will be satisfied. They offer a 10-year warranty and, like I say, a 60-day money-back guarantee. You don't have to borrow somebody else's my pillow. Try it yourself. But here's the offer. You can go to their website, mypillow.com. Click on their radio listener special or their four-pack special. It's presented different ways. Enter the promo code WAGNER, my last name, W-A-G-N-E-R. Remember to use the promo code WAGNER, and you'll get 50% off two MyPillow premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. If you want, you can call 800-953-4163 or go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code WAGNER to get the four-pack of pillows for 50% off. That's MyPillow.com. Use the promo code WAGNER. Friends, don't borrow other friends' my pillows. It's that simple. This fan update is brought to you by Potawatomi Hotel and Casino. Hit the jackpot with another exciting Brewers promotion. Kids Eat Free Sundays are back. All Sunday home games, kids 14 and under will get a free lunch voucher good for a hot dog, applesauce, bottled water, and ice cream treat courtesy of Pick and Save and Blue Bunny. Learn more at Brewers.com. Stay tuned for other odds-on favorites. Brewers Baseball presented by Potawatomi Hotel and Casino. Miller Lite is the original light beer. Always brewed for more taste with only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs. It's everything you want in a beer and less. Miller Lite. Hold true. Great beer and great responsibility. 2017 Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Average analysis, 12 fluid ounces. Less than one gram protein, zero grams fat. It's 920, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. What's it like inside the hurricane shelters currently set up in the Houston area? One man chronicles his experience when joining John McCure at 320 today during Wisconsin's afternoon news. Yeah, somebody on our text line says, this is a first. You agreeing with Fred Kessler? It's, yes, yes, blind squirrels do find acorns every once in a while. This is, it is a huge problem. Now, you have, you have elected judges who make really, really, really bad decisions. But at least those judges are accountable from time to time. Um, You can vote them out if you want. But these court commissioners who are just hired, in many cases, like I say, 
they it's it's as much it is as much who you know as what you know so you get hired you make these various decisions and there's nobody that holds you responsible for your bad decisions you cannot be voted out and fred kessler is exactly right on serious matters when you're talking about felonies where people are potentially dangerous yeah i think that a person whose name is ultimately going to appear on the ballot I think that's the person who should be making that decision. Again, so you've got a record that's out there um, if if you have a judge. And look, I, I understand nobody's got nobody's crystal ball is perfect. You know, you, you can set bail on people and they can skip bail. You can set bail on people and they can go out and they can violate the terms and conditions of the bail or they can commit other crimes. You, you have to make the best assessment possible based on the information you have. Um, but, you know, this is one of these examples where at least if you have somebody who is chronically making bad decisions and they are a judge, you can build a track record and somebody can run against them. Donna in Genoa City. Donna, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Jeff. Two things. One, I guess I don't really understand what a, what a commissioner is and why him as opposed to a judge. And then my second thing is I was in court with my daughter who had a curfew violation. Um, and the guys in front of us, the first guy was probably in his mid-30s. He was a convicted felon. His charges were sexually molesting a minor. This guy walked away with an eye bond. I was, like, blown out of my mind. Mm-hmm. The next guy comes up. He has two joints that he's caught with. He got a $20,000 bond. You know, <laughs> I, I don't understand. You know what I mean? It's oh, like, yeah. Right. It, it, it's all over the map. Yeah. No, it's... Um, yeah. No, well, thank, thank, let, me, let me explain to you, Donna. A, a court commissioner is... They are lawyers who are hired by the judges to do... Um, basic work what would be the idea is to free up the judges to do more significant work so these court commissioners are, are hired to do what would be routine procedures so i mean again that that would be you know bail setting bail would be one of these situa- situations so instead of a judge all right let's say in milwaukee county god knows how many people get arrested over the course of the weekend including you know many who are arrested for small type of offenses, two joints in your case, or something like that. So rather than having to take a judge and have them sit in an intake court and set bail on all these relatively small cases, they hire a court commissioner to do, again, a routine thing. Like the setting, the initial setting of bail would be this routine sort of thing. It frees the judges up to do more significant stuff. That That's the idea. It's how the system runs. And I guess I don't necessarily have a problem with the court commissioners doing the routine stuff a lot of it is is quasi clerical but I mean setting bail is an important thing and that's what this law would do it would say okay when it comes especially in the larger counties when it comes to setting bail on people who are accused of felonies we want to have the elected judges do it instead of the people hired by the judges to do this stuff who aren't vetted by the general public, and, and like I say, might be really good lawyers, but in some cases are hired as much by who they know as it is, you know, what they end up knowing. So that's kind of the background on this. Let's see our text line. Rocky says, do you have the background, the law background, to run against the judge? 
Yes, I do have the law background to run against the judge, but I have no interest in being... It's interesting. Back in the 90s, I remember I had a couple opportunities. People said, you want to try to put in for a judicial appointment? I have never had an interest in being being a judge, certainly not being a circuit court judge, and certainly not being a circuit court judge in Milwaukee County. But yes, Rocky, who texts, do you have the law background to run against the judge? Yes, I do. I have no plans to run against any any sitting judges or apply for judgeships. I like what I do quite well. Thank you. It's 925. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 927, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So glad to have you with us as Hurricane Harvey leaves destruction in its path and so many Southerners try to put their lives back together. Wisconsinites have again responded. Our Steve Scafidi reflects on the remarkable generosity of you, our listeners, and so many in the state. Check out his recent blog. It's up now in the Scafidi and Billstat show section of WTMJ.com. All right, big story number three. I want to put this in perspective. Uh, Two days ago... Okay, a number of months ago, the Department of Justice, the U.S. Department of Justice, started an investigation um, looking into the Milwaukee Police Department, not from the perspective of whether or not the police department was committing crimes or anything like that, but with an idea towards are there strategies that they can use or things that they can change to make the department better. This started under the Obama administration. And under the Obama administration and the former attorney generals, Loretta Lynch, and previous attorney generals, um, the, the Obama administration was very interventionist. Let's, let's look at these local police departments and let's see if we can tell them how to do their jobs. Uh, the Trump administration is much more deferential to local police departments, figuring that, well, you know, local police departments know how things should be run, and you've got a fire and police commission, and in Milwaukee you've got a mayor, and if they have issues with the police department or the police chief, they can deal with it. So th- this this study has never been finalized. So there's an earlier version of this study that is out there that has been leaked now to the public. I am told that this this is a draft, and there's lots of stuff in this draft which is in dispute. There's stuff that is allegedly inaccurate, but now this is out there. It's not a final report or anything. Like I say, it's a draft. This report may never actually be finalized because now Obama is gone and President Trump is now the, the president. But there are aspects of this that are newsworthy, I guess, are, are making the news, and you have some people based on this draft study that are criticizing the Milwaukee Police Department. In particular, one of the things that the cops are called out for is the traffic stop policy. Who gets stopped and why? I think it's a cheap shot. I will explain this to you and we will discuss coming up next.
It's 935, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's the final preseason tune-up for the Pack as they welcome the Los Angeles Rams to Lambeau. Our Packers game day coverage kicks off at 4 p.m. this afternoon with Packers preview right here on WTMJ. And if you want to catch the Brewers Nationals broadcast with Bob and Jeff, you can hear that on our sister station, 94.5 KTI Country. That starts at 635 this evening. Okay, so there's this draft report. That was prepared by people with the U.S. Department of Justice, primarily during the Obama administration. Um, it, it's not a final report, and apparently there are lots of things contained in the report that at, at least people with the police department believe are inaccurate. Um, so, you know, it's, it's again, it's a draft of a report. It, it, this report may never actually be finalized because, like I say, the approach of the Trump administration is different than the approach of the Obama administration. But for whatever reason, somebody with their own agenda decided to leak the draft report to the public. And so now you have a, a number of elected officials putting out press conferences, having press conferences or putting out uh, re- press releases, uh, again, suggesting that um, there, are, there are issues with the police department and police community relations and things like this. All right. And some of the stuff might be valid. Some might not be. But drawing too many conclusions based on a draft report that may have several inaccuracies in it. I think is very dangerous. But there's one aspect of the report that I want to talk about. There is, the, in one particular part of the report, and I've, I've, it's 250 pages, at least the draft is out there, and I read most of it. The authors, the drafters, are critical of the Milwaukee Police Department for its traffic stop policy. Now, that they say that uh, there's an implied, a de facto, quota system. And I, I don't really take issue with that. I don't think there should be traffic quotas. And they say that that hurts morale and it's a waste of time for some of the cops. And I, if, if Ed Flynn has a quota system, either real or implied, you, you shouldn't have that. I mean, police... I think should should do their jobs and concentrate on what's important and they shouldn't be under pressure if they haven't made a traffic stop if they're doing more important things. But one of the other aspects of the traffic stop that they're being criticized for is stopping too many minority drivers. Now, here's I mean, for example, here here's what the numbers say. Um, African-Americans are stopped three times more than white residents. So if you're an African-American, you're three, time, three times more African-Americans are stopped than white residents, um, but um, African-Americans are only 2% more of the city's population than whites. So the number here is, okay, you've got you know a, a city that between African-Americans and whites is essentially the same. Three times as many African-Americans are being stopped. All right, this is contributing to like problems with police community relations. To which I say, wait a minute. And I speak from the perspective of somebody who has been very critical of Ed Flynn over time. I, I think... I actually think it's time for Ed Flynn to move on, and I, I've suggested that before. I am anxiously awaiting to see what he has done with regard to, for example, the police chase policy. He was due to make his report to the Fire and Police Commission on Monday. That's when the 30-day extension expired, and, and so far the police department isn't saying whether Flynn complied and what they've done. Fire and Police Commission isn't answering phone calls. Their next meeting is until September 7th, so you know we'll see. 
But in this particular case, what Ed Flynn says is we take our resources and we concentrate. He said, look, I'm into community policing. His idea of community policing is a little bit different than mine, but let's put that aside. He says we we concentrate our attention in high crime areas. So, you know, we're going to go to we're going to go to the areas of the city where there is the greatest crime problem. And we're, we're going to be aggressive and we're going to enforce the laws. And so his argument is, if you look at the highest crime areas of the city, they tend to be the areas that have the heaviest minority populations. See, if, if you follow me, it's kind of like, OK, let, let's take Milwaukee County. All right. If let's say you were talking to, you know, David Clark and he was employing the same strategy and he was saying, OK, I want to deal with the I want to deal with street crime. Well, all right. Where are you going to have a higher concentration of cops? Are you going to send them out to River Hills where there is very, very little crime? Or are you going to send it into one of the districts in Milwaukee where, you know, you, you've got crimes that are occurring, you know, every 15 minutes? Well, obviously, the logical step, it seems to me, is that you're, you're going to concentrate your resources on where you have the greatest problems. Doesn't matter if there's white or black or brown or green or blue people in that community. You know, you're going to go where the problems are. Right. So it seems to me it is only logical that if and the reality is the highest crime areas, I'm not drawing any larger picture just from a pure criminal justice numbers perspective. If the highest crime areas of the city of Milwaukee happen to be the areas that have the largest minority population, doesn't it follow that the police are going to be making more traffic stops, if that's part of their crime intervention thing, that they're going to be making more stops um, of, of people, in this case, happen to be African-Americans. I don't challenge the numbers that, yeah, they're, they're probably you know making more African-American stops than they are stops of white people. But isn't that because they are concentrating their efforts in the highest crime areas, which happen to be have higher minority populations. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is big story number one. I, I think there's aspects and conclusions that are drawn from this report that I just think are flat out unfair. If, if you want to say the police department needs to be more diverse, I, I get it. If you want to see, say that the police department needs to have better communication with the minority community, I, I don't have a problem with that. That might be valid. But this idea that, gee, you're making more traffic stops of a particular type of person, that means that you've got racial problems or your racial profiling? Not necessarily. To me, it means that you're concentrating your resources, like the chief says, in the highest crime areas. And if the highest crime areas happen to be heavily populated by this minority group or that minority group, it's going to follow that there's going to be more stops. 414-799-1620. And again, I just, this is from a perspective of somebody who is a critic of at least the administration of the police department, this one just seems to be a cheap shot to me. Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're first. Good morning. Hey, good morning, uh, Jeff. Uh, it just follows logic. You know, the crime area is in the minority areas. That's where the most traffic stops are going to be. If it's going to be in River Hills. That's where the traffic stops are going to happen. I, I, I think Ed Flynn's got to go. 
Well, right. Well, right. I mean, thank, thank, and again, this is, but this is one, Mike, where I'm, I'm not critical of Flynn. I, I think Flynn is doing the right thing. If I were the police chief, I, and I had a finite amount of resources, a limited number of cops, and I had to decide how am I going to deploy them, well, I would look like I think Flynn does. I would look at what they call the hot spots in the city. I would look at, okay, where where are the largest number of crimes being committed? And I would put most of my resources there. I'm not saying that you ignore the other parts of the city. I understand that crime is all over. But, you know, I, I would, I'm one of these guys who says what, what you need to do is I, I'm in favor of flooding the streets, especially in the high crime areas with police officers, having them serve as a deterrent, trying to do those type of things. And Again, within the law, you know, being aggressive when it comes to because I'm a big believer in broken windows in law enforcement. The whole idea that, you know, if you if you come down on the small stuff, that a lot of times stops the small stuff from becoming the, the big stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, I would put more cops doing patrols in the heavily in the, the heavy crime districts. And, yeah, I'd have people pull. I'd have the cops. If you see a car that's driving without the taillights or you know, without the license plates or whatever, yeah, I'd, I'd have them making those stops to try to do these investigations. And if it turns out, like I say, I mean, I don't care what the race of the person is. I mean, I, I want this aggressive police performance in the high crime areas. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We continue the conversation. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 944. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 948, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, this draft, this 250-page draft report that has been leaked and is generating all this attention has some, I think, what is, there are are things in there that the police department says just flat-out wrong. It's a draft report, but it's getting all sorts of of attention. There's one aspect of it that really did catch my attention, this this allegation that, gee, the police are targeting racial minorities. Um, Milwaukee is essentially split between African-American and the population between whites and African-Americans is essentially the same. Three times as many African-Americans are stopped for, for, for traffic offenses. You know, what, what's going on here? Well, the police chief says, we, are concentrate, we concentrate our resources. We put the cops in the heavily crime, in the high crime areas. We, we have more, more police there. The highest crime areas in the city of Milwaukee tend to be largely minority areas, with, and there lots of minorities live there. Not drawing any larger conclusions than that, but to me, it make, first of all, that strategy makes sense. Um, I, if I'm the police chief, I want to put my resources, I want to put the cops where the crime is, number one. And then I want them to be aggressive. I want them to be stopping cars and things like that. So if you've got more cops in the heavily minority areas, because that's the heavily crime areas, aren't you going to necessarily have more members of a minority group that are stopped. That just makes sense to me. It's not racial stuff. It's just concentrating on where the problem is. Let's talk to Don in Waukesha. Don, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. What do you think? Uh, well, i tell you what. You know what? I, I live on 29th and Townsend. i got a beautiful neighborhood, but the brothers in the neighborhood, they don't care. They don't care what the cops think. They don't care. The cops are rolling rolling through the neighborhoods and everything. It's just, they're just smug, and they look at them and go, whatever. The only way that you're going to get this problem solved with these brothers carrying guns, you know, they, they, they don't have insurance. They just, they just drive, and they just don't care. So you got to have something, some way to do this. Mm-hmm. You know what? 
I got a job. I got out of the neighborhood. I got my I got my my, my college degree and everything. I still live in the neighborhood, but I got out. Too many people are locked into the neighborhood, mm-hmm. and they don't care. So stop them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're listening, keep stopping the brothers. Keep you got to. That's the only way you're gonna get the guns out of the neighborhood. You're gonna get the, the thugs and everything like that. Right, exactly. Yeah, Don, and I'm, and again, it, it's not. I mean, I'm not saying stop some, and I'm not arguing. You know, stop somebody because of the race. I'm arguing. All right, first of all, I want the police in the heavily crime, hard, the highest crime areas. I'm not saying you don't have police anywhere else, but that's where you want the concentration. The people like you're talking about who live in the area want that. And if you have people that are driving around without the taillights, or you're driving around, you're speeding, or you blow through stop signs or whatever, I don't care if you're white or black or green. I want you to pull, be pulled over, and then you conduct that investigation. Now, look, I understand that there's larger issues as well about you know why are are the crime rates so high in those areas, and what can we do about jobs and all that stuff? That's okay. I, I'm fine. I leave that to smarter people than me to try to figure out. I'm just the guy saying, all right, if I'm trying to devise an anti-crime strategy, I want the cops in the heavily crime, high crime areas, and I want them enforcing the laws, and if that means that uh, because you're in an area that's 95% green people, you're stopping, you know, most of, you know, the disproportionate number of green people. All right, fine. I'm willing to live with that. Let's talk to Kathy in South Milwaukee. Kathy, good morning. Hi, good morning, Jeff. What do you think? Um, I just have, well, you know, if I haven't heard, you know, if they, I'm sorry, but they're assuming that the police officers, you know, are just pulling over over black people. But yes. Um, I guess I'm, I'm thinking that they they haven't said uh, what the nationalities of the police officers that are pulling them mm-hmm. off, pulling them over. You know, it's it's a black pulling over black, Hispanic pulling over black, white pulling over black. You know, it's in that area. And also the other thing I was thinking is, um, you know, they talk about that they're they, they're being pulled over, but when you think about it, people could say. Why are they pulling so many people from Milwaukee over, you know, when right. they pull them over? Right. Because Milwaukee is, you know, where we all live, and that's why you get pulled over in certain areas. Well, it, it right. I mean, you're, you're yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I, I got sensitive this years and years ago. Back in the day, when I was chasing drug dealers in the U.S. Attorney's Office, there was... It was about 87 or so. There was an explosion of crack cocaine. And, you know, crack cocaine became... The, the, these, you, you know, you really didn't see a hundred homicides in the city of Milwaukee until the, the mid to late, the, really the late 80s. And that was crack cocaine. And what happened was you had particularly inner city street gangs that started dealing crack cocaine, which is poison. It is just poison. And these inner city street gangs used to go to war with each other. And they'd shoot at each other all over these turf battles as to who could sell crack cocaine in a particular area. And sometimes they'd shoot themselves. Lots of times they'd shoot innocent bystanders. And one one of my missions back in the late eighties and the early nineties was we, we were going after that we were going after the gangs that were distributing crack cocaine. Well, all right, the crack cocaine was destroying the the particularly the minority population in the city of Milwaukee. That's where the largest concentration of this was in the inner cities and things like that. And so yeah, we would prosecute street gangs. No, we, we were targeted. I mean, one of my big prosecutions was the Brothers of the Struggle Street Gang. We indicted 20-some people there. And and the, the thing was, I was getting criticism. Well, you know, if you realize, they, you know, you've indicted all these street gang members. They're, they're all African-Americans. I said, yeah. I mean, if, you know, you show me a gang that is operating in River Hills, 
I will be glad to prosecute them. I mean, that that's not the, the point. And, and we do do prosecutions of, you know, drug rings from all over the area, had different racial compo- composers. But, you know, we, we were concentrating on street gangs that were killing people and dealing crack cocaine in the inner city. And yes... Yes, Bill Clinton didn't like that, but yes, it turned out that there was a disproportionate number of African Americans who were involved in this gang activity and dealing the, the the crack cocaine. And so, okay, does that make you racist? No, it makes you somebody, I thought, trying to do the job and trying to make the community a safer place for everybody. It's 955, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Larry McCarron along with the Packers head coach Mike McCarthy. Head coach Mike McCarthy goes one-on-one with Packers Hall of Famer Larry McCarron in a conversation heard exclusively on Wisconsin's Afternoon News with John McCure every single Monday of the regular season. It's a product of our team that's helped us move forward and win games. Hear from the coach Mondays at 450 on the home of the Packers 620 WTMJ. They say age has its privileges. Like all of the fabulous free features at the Milwaukee County Zoo's Senior Celebrations, sponsored by by St. Camillus, a life plan community. Join your friends at the zoo on Friday, September 1st from 9 a.m. until 1 p.m. for free admission and fun. Seniors 55 and better with ID are invited to enjoy music, a health and wellness fair, bingo, a fun walk, and free cookies for the first 2,000 people. Senior celebration at the Milwaukee Zoo, Friday, September 1st. Visit milwaukeezoo.org for more. Parking fees still apply. My name is Chris, owner of Chris Cook Homes in Madison, Wisconsin. Ten years ago, I was looking for a way to differentiate myself. I started building unique homes that were much different from the rest, but I couldn't quite figure out what I needed to finish them off right until I discovered LP SmartSide. Since 2007, we have built nearly 100 new homes with LP. It gives us the look we need and the edge we want. LP SmartSide gives us the color, the look, and the feel that no one else can. Visit ChrisCookHomes.com to see how LP SmartSide took us to the next level. When it comes to finances, how do you make sense of it all? Tune into Financial Engines Investing Sense every Saturday morning at 11 or visit investingsense.com. Get pain relief and no surgical grief. MilwaukeePainClinic.com. Milwaukee Pain Clinic. The battle continues. Now through August at Potawatomi, battle your way to a share of over a million in cash and prizes. Play Million Dollar Battle Fleet every day this August to win slot play and your shot at thousands in the end of the month drawings. Play Million Dollar Battle Fleet and win this August only at Potawatomi Hotel and Casino. Visit PaceBig.com slash battle for more details. Must be at least 21 years old and a Firekeepers Club member to participate. Looking for the absolute best party for this year's Milwaukee Rally? Milwaukee Harley-Davidson is the place to be for this year's celebration. The party starts on Thursday and ends on Monday, so enjoy a full-service bar, live music, bike washes, exciting stunt demos, and much, much more. All weekend long, everything is better at the all-new Milwaukee Harley-Davidson. So start your Labor Day weekend off right. The Milwaukee Rally. Whether you're from in town or out of town, the all-new Milwaukee Harley-Davidson Rally Party off 45 and Silver Spring Road. Get there. WTMJ and WTMJ HD Milwaukee is News Radio 620 WTMJ. It's 958. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Coming up in the next hour of the program, if your kids are back in school, or they're getting ready to go back to school, chances are you have done most of your back-to-school shopping. Do you know in Wisconsin, because of an antiquated law, you paid more 
forward your kids back to school supplies than you would have if your kids were, say, going to school in Illinois. We're going to talk about that and, again, explore why it is that legislators think it is a good idea for Wisconsin taxpayers to be soaked when they go to the store. And new reports coming out, more and more people who supported Donald Trump, who voted for him, say they are let down, disaffected, disappointed. Is that really true, or is it fake news? That's all coming up. Stick around. It's 959. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 10.08. This is Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. All right. Um, For many people who voted for President Trump, I think there was this this hope that was out there that said, okay, now look, there's some people that that just, you know, have have been drinking the Kool-Aid and that said okay this, this is Donald Trump we we love we love the tough talking we we love the guy he's not a politician he's a businessman he says what he thinks um we, we think it's clever and cute and we we like the fact that you know he's willing to attack people friends enemies you know whatever we we like that style this is this is great it's making america great again okay there there is a segment of of that population out there then there are a number of other people who supported president trump because number 1 they just could not stand Hillary Clinton. And number two, they figured, well, all right, maybe he's going to grow when he's in office. Grow is being my term there. You know, maybe he's going to be one of these guys who just says, okay, we're, you know, I, I've won and now I'm, I'm going to change. I'm going to be more presidential, you know, fill in the blank. Uh, or we think he's going to dial this stuff down. He, maybe he's going to stop doing the Twitter stuff. Maybe he's going to stop with the attacks, all these different types of, of things. Well, for a lot of those people, what you see is what you get. And when you're 72 years old and you've lived life with a certain personality in a certain way, the chances of you changing are, are not necessarily that great. So the Donald Trump that we saw on the campaign trail is, in my opinion, largely the Donald Trump that's been in the White House for the first couple hundred days. All right, I bring this up because if you look at the poll numbers, and I know whenever I say this, I get people saying, well, we don't trust the polls. The polls would have had Hillary Clinton elected, and I understand and agree that uh, political polling is not very good nowadays. Even the polls that used to be the gold standard, you, you just you can't believe them. They're, they're just they're not good at figuring out exactly where the voters are. Having said that, when you have one poll after another that is consistently showing your approval ratings in the 30% range, that tells me that there are there are issues. I mean, so maybe maybe your approval rating really isn't 33%, maybe it's 41%. Okay, maybe the pollsters are off by 7 or 8 points, but it still tells me that, that there are are issues. Um President Trump's approval rating is below 30% when it comes to people under the age of 30. And more and more people, at least if you believe the, the mainstream media, and I understand that's a big if as well, are, are starting to question their decision for voting for him. All right, this is the story that caught my attention out of the L.A. Times. With each 
crisis. Uh, well, here, here's the phrase. Disappointed and let down, disaffected Trump voters voice their dismay. With each crisis of the young Trump administration, reporters and pollsters have documented the steady support he continues to get from his most ardent backers, the roughly one in four Americans who consistently tell pollsters that they approve of his performance in office, agree with him on most issues, and like his personality. Hmm. Tuesday night at a focus group in Pittsburgh, a group of reporters heard from a different slice of Trump voters, ones he's lost, at least for now. Outrageous, disappointed, not ready were among the adjectives the focus group members um, issued when asked for a single word to describe the president. And those were from the participants who had had voted for him. He has got to be his own worst enemy, said a guy from Pittsburgh, a registered independent, who described Trump as an abject disappointment. He's such an incredibly flawed individual who has articulated so many of the values that I hold dear. Um, Brian Rush, a registered Republican who works as a sales representative, said, well, I'm going to hold off on judgment. I hope he can turn things around. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. I thought this might be an interesting study. If you could describe the Trump administration, the Trump presidency thus far in one word, what would that word be? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. If you could describe it in one word, what would that word be? And I'm also going to be curious as to whether you were a Trump supporter, whether you voted for the president, or whether you voted for Hillary Clinton. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. In one word, how would you describe the Trump presidency so far? If you're on the line, please hold on. We'll take your calls in just a minute. It's 1013. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. You only get one word, and you have to be able to say that word on the radio. Stick around. You've been biding your time all off-season, and now it's so close you can taste it. To the uprights, hey, it is right there. Yes. It is good. WTMJ is your home for everything Packers. Interviews with Wayne Larrabee. Larry McCarron, Mike McCarthy, and more. Good morning, Coach. How are you doing? Good morning, Gene. How are you doing? The countdown to kickoff is on. It all starts Sunday, September 10th, on the home of the Packers since 1929. 620 WTMJ. At Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, our two-week sale's not just longer, it's better. Gina Della from Pella. And in addition to extending our two-week sale, we've made financing even easier. Right now, get 60-month 0% financing or $750 off your qualifying project, but only through September 7th. Complete financing details at PellaWI.com. Installation in as little as a day, world-class customer service, exclusive financing options from just $10 a month per window. Schedule your free consultation today at PellaWI.com. Pella, you to be the best. Retirement Planning Counselor, Kim Steinbrenner. Retirement planning isn't scary when you have someone you trust advising you. When we advise our clients, we talk about the importance of diversification and our ability to offer more investment tools to attain it. Because we're independent, we're not limited in our options. The more tools you have at your fingertips, the more performance-oriented your plan can be. And when it's managed by one individual, it makes adjusting your plan easier and keeps accountability at its peak. Planning the retirement life that you envision. 
Steinbrenner Financial Group, steinbrennergroup.com. Steinbrenner Financial Group. Investment advisory services offered through Saxony Capital Management, LLC. Securities offered through Saxony Securities, Inc. Member FINRA, SIPC. Steinbrenner Financial Group and Saxony Securities are separate and unrelated companies. This fan update is brought to you by Pottawatomie Hotel and Casino. Hit the jackpot with another exciting Brewers promotion. Earning a free Brewers ticket can be as simple as filling up your car with gas. Just complete a BP Come On Back card by making seven purchases of eight or more gallons of gas at participating BP gas stations. Call 414-902-4000 for more details. Stay tuned for other odds on favorites. Brewers Baseball presented by Pottawatomie Hotel and Casino. Ten sixteen, Jeff Beck for six twenty WTMJ. Okay, my my text line has exploded. One word to describe the Trump presidency so far, and going into the break, the caveat was it's got to be something I can say on the radio. And Evan, I can't say that word on the radio. <laughs> all right, uh, let's see uh, some of the. It's on our text line. Hectic. Uh, let's see, hectic, confusing. That would be another one. Confusing. Uh, that's another one. Timely, yes, I was and am a Trump supporter. Let's see, disappointing, did not vote for Trump or Clinton. Let's see, Mitch says, exasperating, I support getting stuff done. Embarrassing, that's another one, and I voted for him. One word, David in Milwaukee, who voted for him, says, one word, cluster. My guess is I think he wants to add a a second word to that. Um, Deb in West Bend, who said she voted for Trump, her word is egomaniac. Another word is stalled. Okay, 414-799-1620. One word, and the reason I bring this up is they did a focus group in Pittsburgh the other night, and they, they had a lot of Trump supporters who were apparently using phrases like disappointed and let down. All right, what would your word be? Let's start with uh, David in Wauwatosa. David, you're first. Good morning. Hi, thank you. Thank you for taking my phone sure. call. My one word would be incompetent. Now, were you? let me ask you this. Did you, were you a Trump voter in the first place? No, I was not. I, okay. I mean, I wasn't too nuts about Hillary, but I, I'm, I'm not nuts about uh, um, Trump. I mean, the only thing I think he did good in his administration so far was electing the Supreme Judge. Mm-hmm. He's getting putting us on the brink of, of war with his words and his rhetoric. So incompetent would be the word you used. My word would be incompetent. Okay, thanks for the call. 414-799-1620. Jerry in Appleton. Jerry, good morning. I use the word emotional. I like some of these other words better, like one guy said exasperating. I was going to use frustrating. The reason I didn't use frustrating was because that would imply that you think the whole thing has been a cluster. You know what? And I don't. I I use emotional because as a Trump voter, and I would vote for him again, okay, uh, some days you feel real good about what he's doing, and then the next day it's like, you know, sometimes he'll give the speeches that really project and talk, and then two days yeah. later it won't be so good and you're down and so i right. want him to succeed and some days i feel like he is and some days i feel like he's not <laughs> right it's, it's kind of like that that yo-yo no thanks for call let's see um dave says hectic ken says unfair i think he means uh criticism of him would be unfair um our text line humiliating uh disheveled huh 
um, apoplectic. Huh, interesting. Uh, let's see. Insecurity. I reluctantly voted for him. How would you describe it? Uh, pandemonium. Um, it, it clearly has been... It's been unlike anything I think we have ever seen in my lifetime. All right, uh, David in Cedarburg. David, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. What would your word be? Abrasive. Okay. Just yeah. his style, you mean? Yeah, it just, uh, if you could forget Twitter and stop attacking people all the time. Uh, including people who he needs to be his allies. I, I just feel, for the life of me, I've been wrestling with what you think you get by attacking Republican senators like John McCain and Jeff Flake and Bob Corker, who you need to vote for anything that you want to try to get done. And Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan, yes, absolutely. Yeah, great. Yeah, Paul Paul Ryan or or Jeff Sessions, you know, right. your your attorney general who was one of your first supporters. So abrasive, huh? I will tell you that uh I could not vote for him. Uh I'm I'm really pleased with the things that he's managed to accomplish primarily uh removing a lot of the uh regulations mm-hmm. that were Right. Just mandated, uh, and I like what he's trying to do, but just the way he's trying to do it, yeah. I, I don't, I don't think he's his own worst enemy, but he's a very close second. I, you know, well, th- well, I mean, this is, you know, and that, that kind of ties into what I've been saying for the longest time. For me, and and again, I, I hear from, I hear from both sides. You should be on MSNBC. You're a big time liberal. No, no. Or I, you know, what? Why? Why is it that you're critical of President Trump? Oh my gosh, get on board. No, and, and the truth is, I, I think I'm. I think I like to think I take a nuanced and rational view of this. I agree with a lot of his policies, not all of them. I think obsessing on building the wall and stuff doesn't make any sense to me, and it's not going to happen. But, I mean, at the same time, I, I want to give him credit for the things that he's doing. But I would agree with you. He, he is, in many respects, his own worst enemy, this thin skin stuff. And that's why I keep saying there's the substance and then there's the style and the style is now becoming the dominant story and i don't know how you change that okay one word four one four seven nine nine one six twenty dave and niles dave you're on 620 wtm jake morning good morning you know i've got your your show on my on my dial on my radio in my car i'm in wheaton illinois and right now all over and i listen to you all the time the word is fantastic okay people don't understand is that he's the pure thing. He's the real thing. If you take on a case, for example, as a lawyer, and you have people checking on you every single day on, a, on that particular case, you have ups and you have downs, and you make mistakes, and you and you. Mm-hmm. That's why you know you, you you amend things, et cetera, et cetera. He's got somebody scrutinizing him every single day. He's attacked every single he is. day. And, and, and I, I will I will concede that I've got to tell you, Dave, and he is attacked. In, in a way that I have never seen any other president attacked. I mean, there, there's there's no question about that. It's It really is an us-versus-them thing from his perspective and from the mainstream media's perspective. No, I, I've never seen anything like this. I, I concede that to you. I agree. And the person you were just talking is talking about style. I wouldn't vote for him, but, gee, I, I like the outcome, but I just don't like the way his cologne or his style. Or I would give him seven days. I would put him in that job for seven days. And then I'd be visiting him in some uh, in some uh, hospital trying to get some help. Okay, so I mean the the pressure he's under is 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 yeoman's, and it's only with God's grace that he's doing it. Do you think it gets? Do you think his style 
gets in the way of getting things accomplished? I think I think it, it causes scabs to be put over the wounds so we can continue forward. And also, when it comes to dealing with people like North Korea, there is no negotiation. You have to be a jerk to them. You have to be tough. Compromise is give me everything and you get nothing, and that's just the way it is. We've been bribing them for years. That was one example. There are times when you just you don't want to be a jerk. He's not a jerk, but there are times and situations where you have to be a jerk. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. We're going to continue this for one more segment. If you're on the line, hold on. If you had one word to describe the Trump presidency so far, what would that word be? It's 1023. It's 1026. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. One of the mainstream media outlets had a focus group in Pittsburgh uh, the other day talking to uh, Trump voters, and, and they say there, there's about a quarter of the population who, uh, Trump loyalists, who just love everything that's happened, And um, but but there's other uh, another group of, of voters who are, well, starting to bail. At least that's the, the conclusion of these articles I was sharing, and um, using words like disappointed, let down, disaffected. All right, if you had one word to describe the Trump presidency so far, what would that be? And I, I've been really wrestling with my word, and I, I think I, I think chaotic would be the word that I would probably use. Chaotic. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to. Uh, Let's see, John in Waukesha. John, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Hi, John. Um, yes, uh, the, the word I would use is mismanaged. I think he, uh, I think, you know, obviously he is his own worst enemy. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. he does a lot of good things. And it put me in the camp of the, he's better than Hillary. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, had an, I had a different uh nominee in mind when uh, he was nominated mm-hmm. so in any event uh mismanaged mismanaged i think he's just yeah i think he's basically screwed up a lot of things he's done a lot of things right but he's really screwed up things do you think he's gonna do you think he's gonna be able to turn the presidency do you think he's gonna be able to turn his presidency around in your mind no i think uh i think the press is all over him and uh i don't i think public opinion has turned against him and i think I think he's going to just have to gut it out the next four years if he lasts that long. Thanks there may be an impeachment well, process already, you know, started. Well, I mean, thanks for coming. I was talking about that yesterday. That this is one of the. Um, it's actually one of the the undercovered stories that is bubbling. Now, you know, unless unless something dramatically comes out that I don't think is going to come out, I, he's not in danger of being impeached. Um, at least until 2019, and then only if Democrats take control of the the House of Representatives and or the Senate, um, at which point in time I, I think you're going to see more of a political effort at impeachment, per- perhaps. But there there are people who are already talking about running for Congress, for example, um, next year against Republicans on a elect me, I'll vote to impeach President Trump. Um, so I'm, I don't know. Okay, uh, one word. Jesse on our text line texts hopeless, and I voted for, for Trump. Um, let's see. Focused is another one we have unprecedented yeah it's unprecedented polarizing um that's from paul who said not a trump or a clinton voter i actually i think i mean i used chaotic but i think polarizing would be a a good word as well let's talk to jerry in green bay jerry you're on 620 wtmj good morning 
Good morning. My word is unpredictable. <laughs> yeah. Well, no argument there. Is is it a good unpredictable or a bad unpredictable? Uh, depends on which day you're talking to me. I think. <laughs> okay. Um, I did. I did vote for him. I think he's done some good things. Uh, he's done some things that maybe weren't quite so good, just like everybody else. But there's that we've never had a president that I can remember, and I'm seventy plus years old. That's been as unpredictable as this one um he is unpredictable thanks for calling i mean i I just can you imagine being one of the one of the aides and i I just i you know for all the the criticism that reince priebus got i'm just trying to think what can you imagine being the chief of staff and you just you just sort of you wake up one morning and you just never know what the boss has tweeted out at three and four o'clock in the morning and 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 what the what it's going to be um rod in waukesha roger on 620 btmj good morning Good morning, Jeff. Uh, love the show. Thank you. Um, my word is bombastic. <laughs> yeah. Is that? Let me ask you the same question I asked the last caller. Is, is that a good thing or a bad thing in your mind? Uh, I would say it's somewhere in the middle. Okay. Um, his style is not obviously presidential, and that's, I suppose, why people voted for him. Um, I held my nose when I voted for him, but given the alternatives... I could not see yeah. four more years of Clinton, or both of them. So yeah. that's why I voted for Trump. But I'm in- incredibly disappointed. Yeah, so yeah, bombastic disappointed. No, thanks for the call. Okay, Patty says, um, one word, fantastic. He's gotten so much more done than the mainstream media gives him credit for. Now, th- she does have a point. There's, I mean, I, I remember when I was interviewing Paul Ryan the other day, and he, he talked about, hey, you know, the, the same day that James Comey was giving his statement to Congress, you know, we repealed Dodd-Frank, which was this incredible mess of a regulatory bill. He said, yeah, but nobody knows about that because of, of what got attention. Um, Tim says, misrepresented. I voted for him, and you can't get a true picture of what he's doing because the mainstream media is so violently opposed to him. There is that side to it, but in fairness, the, the flip side is, um, in some cases, I agree with people who are saying that President Trump is his own worst enemy, again, by the inability to just let stuff go and the need to lash out and the need to use Twitter to try to you know, pick fights with people who should be his supporters. Um, interesting. I think I would use the word chaotic. We'll revisit this at some point time in the future. When we come back, if you were shopping for your kids' school supplies in Wisconsin, you paid more than you should have. It's 1037, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's the final preseason tune-up for the Packers. They welcome the Los Angeles Rams to Lambeau. Our Packers game day coverage kicks off at 4 p.m. with Packers preview right here on WTMJ. If you want to catch the first game between the Brewers and Nationals, the broadcast is with Bob and Jeff. You can hear it on 94.5 KTI Country. That starts at 6.35 this evening. All right, BD, who is producing the show today. I'm about ready to get up on my soapbox once again. In Wisconsin, we have what I call and most people call the minimum markup law. Um, Technically, they call it the Unfair Sales Act. It goes back, it's a Depression-era law. It goes back to 1939, and the purpose behind the law in 1939 was essentially to stop 
companies come from coming in and monopolizing the market. Okay, 1939, where you didn't have the Internet, you didn't have television, you didn't have the connectivity that we have, not only with other communities, but with other states and with other countries. The idea was, all right, let's take a small town in Wisconsin. And what we don't want to have happen is, let's say there's um, there's a grocery store, mom-and-pop grocery store, and you have some giant national grocery chain that comes in, and they set up shop right next door to the mom-and-pop grocery store, and they start undercutting the mom-and-pop grocery store on prices. So everybody says, hey, why do I spend, why do I go and get my gallon of milk here? I can go to the big store. I can save a lot of money on it. So they go to the big store. The mom and pop grocery store goes out of business. And then there's no other store to replace it and compete. And then the big store jacks up its prices even higher. That's what this was designed to do in 1939 to stop, I don't know, one company from coming in and being able to monopolize the market. Right? I don't know if this had any validity in 1939, but I do know in 2017, this idea that you're going to have a company, one company that's going to be able to monopolize the market is absolutely ridiculous. A Walmart moves into a particular area, and yes, the Walmart is selling stuff cheaper, but um, that benefits that benefits the consumers. And if the Walmart decides that they're going to start increasing their prices after they've run mom, the mom and pop, I don't know, a drugstore out of business, well, what happens then? Well, some other store moves in to compete with Walmart. I mean, that's, that's the way this works now. It's not 1939. But in Madison, in Wisconsin, we still have this minimum markup law which is a sloppy wet kiss to some retailers. The minimum markup law um, requires a, a 9% price markup on some items like alcohol, tobacco, and gasoline. So you, when you go to the pump, you are paying more than you necessarily should under a free market system. But here's the other aspect of the minimum markup law that I want to talk about. It prohibits retailers from selling merchandise under cost. And there's a a new report out by the MacGyver Institute that has been following this issue for the longest time. Here's the new report they have out there. Minimum markup makes back-to-school shoppers pay more for markers, crayons, and other school supplies. So like I say, the minimum markup law stops businesses from being able to sell items below cost. Now, you might say to me, Jeff, that doesn't make any sense. Why why would a business want to sell an item below cost? Well, the idea is because it's a competitive market and and you want to do stuff as, as, say, it's a loss leader. And this applies, you see this around Thanksgiving time as well, right? Maybe you've got uh, the, the grocery store and the grocery store wants to get you in to shop. So they're willing to give you a deal on the cranberries. Let's say it's around Thanksgiving or the turkey. They will sell the cranberries for less than it costs them 
because they know that when you come in, you're probably not just going to buy the cranberries. So they're going to lose money on selling you the cranberries, but you're going to be buying the peas, and you're going to be buying the turkey, and you're going to be buying the pumpkin pie, and all those other things. So you end up, you know, at, at the end of the day, the store is saying, okay, we're willing to set low prices on some stuff to get you in because we think big picture we're going to make out, make, make out on this. In Wisconsin, that is illegal. And so as a result, every Thanksgiving, you will see stories about how if you're shopping for Thanksgiving staples, say in Wisconsin, you pay more for the same goods than you would pay like in Illinois. So if you live, I don't know, close to the Illinois border in Kenosha and you care about money, you're better off shopping at a lot of these stores that offer the specials. The same thing is true when it comes to back to school stuff. Um, Okay, so what MacGyver does is they go out and they start pulling advertisements um, from different areas. Here's what they found. Walmart stores, and they they said, let's compare apples to apples. Let's look at Walmart stores. Walmart stores in Milwaukee charged higher prices for a number of back-to-school items when compared with Walmart stores in Minnesota, Iowa, and Michigan. Um, Families in Milwaukee... Buying basic items, back-to-school supplies in Milwaukee, supplies like composition books, markers, crayons, can expect to pay anywhere from 12 to 146% more than shoppers in St. Paul, Dubuque, or Kalamazoo. Some common school items cost an average 90% more in Milwaukee. Crayola crayons posted the single biggest price variance, coming in almost 150% more in Milwaukee than in cities in neighboring states. Parents, this is the MacGyver report that I'm looking at. Parents picking up a composition book in St. Paul, for example, at Walmart, paid 50 cents. The same book cost 56 cents in Milwaukee. Crayola markers cost 97 cents in St. Paul, but because of the minimum markup law, the same markers cost $1.97 in Milwaukee. It goes on and it on and on. Um, again, this happens, this happens a lot on these different uh, situations. All right, um, Leah Vukmir and Jim Ott. Um, introduced a bill that would have eliminated this minimum markup law, but the bill did not receive a public hearing because you've got powerful special interests that are lobbying against this. All right, 414-799-1620. All right, does it make any sense that we artificially inflate prices and not benefit the consumers? So I mean really if if you're if you're in Kalamazoo, Michigan, you're paying a dollar less for your Crayola markers than you are in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. To what end? 414-799-1620. If you haven't figured it out yet, I think this minimum markup law, I don't know if it had made any sense in 1939. It doesn't make any sense now. It is anti-consumer. And the idea that Gee, you're going to have one company that is going to be able to monopolize things, I, I think is is ridiculous. First of all, you've got all sorts of competition that's out there. You've got the Costco's, you've got the Walmart's, you've got the Targets, you've got the local stores. There are all sorts of places that you can go. And the idea that one store 
is going to be able to drive all the other stores and the Internet, by the way, out of business is absolutely absurd. 414-799-1620. All right, do you mind, do you think it's right that you should have to pay more for your back-to-school supplies than, I don't know, somebody in Duluth, Minnesota? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1045. It's 1049, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. See, I'm just a free market pro-consumer guy. I think if a store that sells all sorts of items wants to offer special sales on some of those items, even including selling some stuff below cost, because it's going to get you into the store, and they figure, hey, once you're in the store to buy the cranberries, you're going to buy all sorts of other stuff as well. So we'll lose money on the cranberries, but we'll make it up by all the other stuff that you're going to buy. I don't see why businesses should not be allowed to do that. Phil in Muskego. Hi, Phil. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Jeff. What do you think? Hey, um, no, I, I guess uh, I, I, gotta, I have a lot of comments about this. Um, I disagree with you. Um, but my thought is, uh, I thought stores can legally have uh, uh, loss leaders to bring people in. Not in Wisconsin. Not in Wisconsin. Well, not if not if it's below. Know, not if it's below. Not if it. Not if it's below uh, cost. Okay, but they still can run pretty darn good sales on it. That comes close, and I don't think they're. I don't think they're making the three percent on it. Um, but what I'm. I'm still for the existence of the law. Hey, tell me why. It, um, it takes away the predatory pricing. And you were saying, like, in today's world and economy, it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does. Uh, I believe the name of the company is Country Country Block or Country Cement. They came in, and they took over the whole state, all the block suppliers, Cement Block. They came in, and they they just dropped the price. Well, let's talk about well, let's talk about retail. I mean, because that's what we're really well, focusing on. I mean, let, let's talk about retail. So let's let's say that you've well, got. I, the, think, I still think. I, Jeff, let's I say you've got the Target the store for, for non-retail because you know what? You look at any any building. They jacked up the price on cement block after they took over the whole state. Okay. Well, I guess I, I Phil, I'm quickly beyond my depth because I I don't know about cement block stuff. But I mean, it's if. First of all, I don't understand how you take over the whole state. If if the reason you've, if the reason somebody has gotten popular is because you you come in and you, okay, you you undercut prices and so everybody goes to you and then you raise the price back up, uh, then you jack it up, then then competition is somebody else is going to come in and, and offer that stuff if it's purely price. So I, I mean I, I'm quickly beyond my depth when it comes to cement block, but I mean we're, at the context of, of retail, which is you know how we're discussing this. I, I don't, I just don't flat out believe that if you would allow Meyer or Walmart or Target or you know you you name it, if you would allow Target, for example, to sell stuff under under cost, um, is that really going to drive Meyer out of business? Is that really going to drive Walmart un- out of business? No, it's not. They're going to have to. Matter of fact, I think it's more likely that they're going to respond with their own loss leaders. And what's going to end up happening is it's going to end up benefiting the the consumers. Now, if there's some specialty area where there, there really is a monopoly, 
Um, but I still I don't think the answer is the minimum markup law. What that is is the answer is competition, where you you have that particular thing going on. But it, candidly, I mean, if a, if a store, as far as I'm concerned, if a store wants to give away cranberries to get you in, so you buy the rest of your Thanksgiving dinner at that place, and nobody's saying this that you have to, but I mean, why what? It, what possible reason is it? How does that not benefit the consumers? Again, I mean, we, we live in an area in an era where there is incredible competition. Um, you know, if even if let's say you've got some small town and you have the loss leaders that end up driving some the, the mom and pop grocery store hardware store out of business. And then nobody else comes in to, you know, compete with the big box retail or whatever. Well, people still have other options, which includes like things like the Internet and things like that. I mean, I, I guess I, I just look at this and I say it is 2017. And when it comes to consumer goods or back to school supplies, there's all sorts of places where you can go. I mean, lots of people buy their back to school supplies on, on the Internet. So if even there, if you have the worst case scenario, you have the evil company that has driven all the other school supply places out of business in your particular community, and then they've turned around and they've jacked up the prices. Um, well, okay, then you just order the stuff over the internet. That's what Amazon.com is for. I mean, you've got all those different situations going on there. And again, um, th- this plays out in many different capacities, but now it's playing out again with school supplies. It's just, it is an arcane law. Um, and my, I firmly believe that the only reason it exists is you've got some of the, the retail lobbies who um, are anti-competition and want the protectionism, and they, they've got some politicians who are afraid to stand up for the consumers of Wisconsin, and this is both Republicans and Democrats who are afraid to stand up for the consumers of Wisconsin. Um, if you ask the majority of people, do you think you should be able to buy stuff below cost? My guess is about 85% of people, Republican and Democrat, say yes. It's 1055. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner. So glad to have you with us. It's the final preseason tune-up for the Packers as they welcome the Los Angeles Rams to Lambeau Field. Our Packers game day coverage kicks off at 4 p.m. with Packers preview here on WTMJ. Once again, if you want to catch the Brewers Nationals broadcast with Bob and Jeff, you can hear that on 94.5 KTI Country starting at 6.35 this evening. Coming up in just a couple minutes, if you're driving an electric car, yeah, you're, you're good for the environment, I guess, but you're bad for the roads. Should you pay more for that privilege? We'll talk about that in just a couple minutes. I have to admit, sometimes lawyers say the silliest things. Um, remember last summer you had the situation of with the, at the lakefront where you had the sheriff's deputy that tried to pull over the car. The guy took off. High-speed chase. This was on a busy Saturday, I believe, Saturday evening down at the lakefront. You know, drove over a median strip, drove across um, this Parkland area, almost hit a couple people, started driving straight at a police officer who ended up firing shots. Well, the authorities have apparently finished the investigation and referred the matter to the Milwaukee County District Attorney's Office. Trust me on this one. It's a simple decision. No way in the world the shooting was not a justified shooting. But it's interesting. I'm looking at the story as reported on Fox 6. They, they quote um, the attorneys 
for the guy who was shot. This would be the guy who tried to flee the police as saying, the video clearly shows that Mr. Williams was not trying to run anyone down. You got to love lawyers. I mean, it's like, what, what, I, I've seen that video. What video were they looking at? Not trying to run people down. The guy is in a high-speed effort to try to flee authorities down at the crowded lakefront. He's driving straight at a cop. He wasn't trying to run anybody down. Well, nobody knew that. If he wasn't, it's uh, the video clearly shows. Give me a break. This is going to be an easy one, or at least it should be an easy one, for John Chisholm. It's 1059. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 1109. This is Jeff Wagner. Okay, say, so Jane, I have my favorite email of the morning. I want to share it with oh, you. Oh, good. Okay. Oh, yeah. This is. Now, see, and, and, and here's the truth. Most of the, maybe you find this as well. Most of the people that I run into enjoy what I do. They like to listen to the show. Almost all the feed, almost all the feedback you get is positive. And then you've got a couple people out there that like troll you and send you 10 or 15 or, or 20 like hostile texts or emails during a show, which makes me wonder, Okay, if you don't like it this much, why don't you just go do something? Else? You know, you know, it's like if, if there's stuff I, again. Right, well, that, that's exactly right. It's like, oh, I don't like green beans, so I'm going to eat green beans. You know, three meals a day. Okay, so you you get that, and then every once in a while you get these. Now, I acknowledge as as, as talk radio shows go. I have what I consider to be a more nuanced position on President Trump than a lot of people. There's some people that just absolutely hate him, and there's some people that think he can do no wrong. And I kind of take the, the middle ground, which is where I, I try to applaud him when I think he's doing the right thing, and I criticize him when he's doing the wrong thing, which is how I approach that. Okay, so here here's my email. This is this is from from Ray in Delafield. Okay. You're starting to sound like that loser Sykes with his constant Trump bashing. Um, then there's a, a sentence here that is just overtly racist that I choose not to read on the air comparing President Trump to President Obama. When are you leaving TMJ? I guess I don't really listen to you that much, so I guess who cares? <laughs> That's Ray in Delafield. Have a good day, Ray. <laughs> That's exactly right. I'm like, I was like, okay, all right, um, that's it. Let's. So that's you know. I see, and again, I just kind of ignore a lot of this stuff. But you know, when when you send me an email that's got like uh, the the racist stuff to it, and then all the other stuff, and when are you? But by the way, I'm I'm listening anyhow. You know, so it's like, do you get those? You you probably don't. Everybody loves you. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> Talk to some of my some of my ex boyfriends. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, okay then. <laughs> well, well, everybody, everybody should love you, Jane. That, that's that's <laughs> that's all I'm saying. And if you ever if you ever want to like just just hang out and look at my look at my texts and deleted items and things like that, it's just um, okay. Ah, what can you say? All right, let us switch gears. There is a <laughs> there is a huge issue out there with regarding in Wisconsin as to how we're going to pay for transportation spending. It's one of the things, and we've talked about this before, that is hung up that this, the budget. Um, I think that the state is going to, I think finally the Republicans are going to get their act together, and they were supposed to have a budget a couple months ago. I think that actually they're going to get something done in the next week or two. That's what I'm being being told. But one of the hang-ups is, you, you, you want to if, if the state is going to grow and thrive and survive, you, you need to have good roads. 
And the question becomes, how do you pay for those roads? And there's been a split between some of the Republicans, primarily leadership in the Assembly, who's wanted to increase the gas tax. Governor Walker says that's a non-starter. The Senate has said that's a non-starter. And and so now we're wrestling with where is the money going to come from to, you know, pay for road improvements? Some people are talking about toll roads. I, I don't. I don't think that's going to happen, and it's certainly not going to happen for a while. Again, raising the gas tax is one of the issues. Auto registration fees, increasing you know the, the fees that trucks pay, all these different things are, are on the table. The principal way right now that we fund the roads in Wisconsin, it's the gasoline tax, and it's the automobile registration fees that we pay every year when you've got to register your car. All right, the idea behind the gas tax is that those of us who use the roads, the people that are driving, you know, we should pay. And the way the gas tax works is if you're you're driving more, theoretically, all things being equal, if you're driving more, if you're on the road more, having more wear and tear on the road, you should also, you know, you're then buying more gas. Now, I understand that you've got to kind of factor in how these really fuel-efficient vehicles work. But one of the things that happens is, let's say you have, let's say you have one of the hybrids. Let's say you have one of these cars that uses either no gasoline, purely electric, or uses very, very little gasoline. So, you're using the roads just as the same way that those of us, you know, have the internal combustion engine are, but you're not buying gas because you've got this fuel-efficient vehicle. So the wear and tear that you're putting on the road, um, you're putting on the same wear and tear, say, that my car is, but you're not paying as much as the person who has the internal combustion engine because you're not buying gasoline that much. You do pay registration fees, but that's it. So one of the proposals that is out there would be a new, and this was floated yesterday, there's a couple stories, one in the Madison paper, one in the local paper. Um, The state is considering placing a new fee on hybrid and electrical vehicles and then taking the money that they think would be generated from this extra fee, maybe as much as $100 million, and using it um, to help, again, you know, build roads. The proposal would require an annual registration fee on certain vehicle owners um, who would end up, you know, having to pay, say, $100. Um, in other words, you know, substantially more than you pay if you just had a regular car. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I think it's, it's great for people who, you know, want to go the electric car route, you know, want to go the hybrid route. That that's I, I mean I think it's a it's a great choice if you make that decision and you want to do those type of things. But the truth of the matter is, if you're doing that, you're not paying any you are arguably not paying your fair share when it comes to your use of the roadways. So, as somebody who is in general against taxes, and against, you know, increased fees and things like that. On the one hand, I'm inclined to say, ah, I, I don't think we should necessarily increase taxes. On the other hand, though, in this situation, because the people that own the hybrids or the electric cars aren't buying gasoline 
at least not like the rest of us are, but are still using the roadways, is it unreasonable to say pay a higher registration fee? And would you support that type of fee increase? 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My answer to this is, is yeah. I mean, I, I think it you know, has to be a reasonable type of thing. But to me, this this makes sense because the people that drive the hybrids and the electric vehicles, they're driving the same amount of miles, but they're not buying the gasoline. That's great. It's their choice. But as long as it's reasonable... I don't think it's anything wrong with, you know, asking them to pay a bit more. 414-799-1620. And by the way, I freely admit, as somebody who doesn't drive a hybrid, doesn't drive an electric vehicle, it's easy for me to say that. Tax the other guy. 414-799-1620. What do you think about this idea we discuss next? It's 1117. It's 1120. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, one of the things that's being proposed in Madison to try to end this funding impasse on transportation is imposing a $100 registration fee on hybrid or electric cars. The argument being, if you own a hybrid or an electric car, you're using the roadways, but you are not buying gasoline, so therefore you're not paying your quote-unquote fair share. I think this is actually a reasonable proposal. Now, it's easy for me to say I don't drive a hybrid or an electric car. 414-799-1620. Let's start with, uh, let's see, uh, let's go to uh, Mike in Shorewood. Mike, you're first. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Jeff. How are you? Good. What do you think? Well, I've heard you talk about this topic in the past, and, and what I struggle with is an electric vehicle is using no gas ever. Right. And where while I have a hybrid... It, it, it doesn't equal out. And also, my gas mileage is very different in the winter or when it's colder out than in the summer. Mm-hmm. And how do, how, do, how do we equalize all that? Well, I'm not, sure I, you can, I don't, I'm not sure you can ever have a perfect system. I mean, because the truth of the matter is, um, okay, I have, I have two cars. I have a VW Beetle and I have an SUV. <laughs> you know, the, the, my guess is the Beetle, which is a smaller, lighter car, um, creates less stress on the roadways than my SUV does. So, I mean, I don't know that any system is perfect. And, and obviously, you've, you, what you're saying would be a would be somewhat of a flaw to this. But you know, big picture, is it that unreasonable to say you have to pay a little bit more if you have a hybrid? Uh, my worry is that long term, that that fee just gets larger and yeah. larger. Because if more cars become fuel efficient, or as some manufacturers are saying, they're going to all electric, I, I, it, right. it just that that fee will never be enough. And so yeah. you just raise the gas tax, even though I'm, I'm against all taxes, but you just raise the gas tax so that you, you just cover every everybody except for full electric vehicles. I mean, that that is, I think, the one caveat if you need to get some additional money. Yeah, my guess is that my guess is there's a I I I. I I would be shocked if there's too many people in Wisconsin that have full electric vehicles. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but my guess is there probably can't be too many. I would think. Well, I think so. Well, no, and, and again, I no, and I appreciate what you're saying, Mike. And, and there's no there's no system that is ultimately, you know, the ultimate and fair. If the idea is you've got to 
you know, we, we want us all to share in the the amount of use that we have and the, the dam. I mean, the, the the damage you do to the roadways. I mean, the ultimate system would be, you know, every year you pay a tax based on the amount of miles you've driven as factored in by like the weight of your car. But I don't know that there's any way that you can can actually do that and implement it and 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 get that money actually paid. So you have to you have to balance a lot of different things that are out there. And I guess. I just look at it again. I freely acknowledge easier for you know me to say easy for me to say because I don't own a hybrid car. But asking hybrid car owners to pay slightly more in registration fees doesn't strike me as being absolutely ridiculous. Let's talk to Andy in Milwaukee. Andy, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Hey Jeff. So full disclosure, I drive a Tesla. Okay. So got you got the full electric car, right? Yep, hundred percent. And I feel like I'm getting double the benefits. So not only do I not have to pay for any gas, I also got a $7,500 tax credit yeah. from the federal <laughs> government. So I'm almost getting, you know, double, triple the benefits. You're, I would just, you're just rubbing it. You're just, you're just pour, pouring salt in that wound for all the rest of us, aren't you there, Andy? <laughs> well, I think it's unfair. I would yeah. totally be, you know, unopposed to paying something on a registration fee for an annual basis. Because I drive, you know, probably twenty-five, thirty thousand 30,000 miles a year. I'm taxing the roads. I should, you know, contribute right. to that. Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting you say that, Andy. I have a one of my colleagues drives a, a Tesla as well, and he said the same thing. I mean, his attitude is, yeah, I, I I get this. I mean, as long as it's a reasonable thing, I'm I'm not talking about you having to pay four or five times the amount that other people pay. But that that's what one of my colleagues who has a Tesla said. Yes, I I get this. I think it's I think it's fair. I don't have a problem with paying a little more. So you would you would feel that same way, huh? Yeah, a couple hundred bucks a year, I think, is a fair exchange of you know value for the amount I drive. I, I absolutely think it's the right thing to do. Um, thanks to call, I appreciate it. Now, here, here again is the problem. This, this is just. There's not that many people that drive hybrids, and there's even fewer like Andrew, who and uh, like Andy, who have the all electric vehicles. So, I mean, you're, you're talking about a massive deficit. These stories say that they think they can raise a hundred million dollars. I that that strikes me as being high. I mean, in all honesty, that that strikes me as being high, but I'll, I, 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 I'm not sure that you can actually generate that much. But just you know, on principle and on theory, I, I don't think this is the worst thing in the world. John and Fond du Lac. John, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Yes. Good morning. Well, first of all, I'd like to echo the comments that you had from the previous two callers that I think is unfair to to lump all hybrids and electric vehicles into the same category. Mm-hmm. Just like you have difference in mileage between different cars, you right. know, there are gasoline-powered cars that get forty or fifty miles to the gallon, just like a hybrid. The other thing that I most object to, though, I would agree we own a hybrid, and I would agree we could pay a little bit more. But the part that I disagree with, Jeff, is the idea that they—the article I read this morning said that uh, they estimated this would generate about eight million dollars a year, possibly in additional revenue. But what they want to do is they want to leverage that into borrowing a hundred million dollars. Right. And I—that's you know the part of this whole transportation problem that I have a that really have an issue with is the lack of political will to forge a permanent solution. What would your permanent yeah. if you were if you were the king? What would your permanent solution be? And and, and you're right. Yeah, it's eight million dollars, and then they want to borrow use that to to borrow more money, the hundred million. You're you're right. Um, what would be what would be your solution if you were king? What would be your solution? Well, I think that. What you said earlier is really the perfect solution if we all would pay according to the use and the weight of the vehicle that we drive and truly reflect what we do to the roads. But I don't know that we're ever going to be able to get there. Yeah. So, so, 
barring barring that, we really don't have a lot of other options other than to increase some sort of taxes and and increase fees. Would you would you support one of the other things that's floating around is increased fees on the big trucks. Um, uh, the same sort of thing like would be applied to hybrids, but increased fees on the big trucks, the argument being they create even more stress and problem with the roadways than do do automobiles. Well, I think that's that's possible. The only I think the only flaw in that argument is that those vehicles already pay more tax because they already do, yeah. the fuel economy is very low. They pay, they use a lot more fuel per mile than cars do. And the other part of that is eventually that all gets passed back to the consumer yes, in some yeah. form or other. <laughs> right. Because if we increase the cost to deliver goods, then the then the cost of those goods are going to go up. I, I just I think the failure to index gas taxes is part of the problem. And you know the constant drumbeat that well we shouldn't have to pay taxes or taxes should never go up. You know the cost to run my household goes up every year. The cost to run our state goes up. The cost to maintain roads goes up. So we have to pay more. And and if we're not, I mean, we got to pay for it. And especially the current legislature continues to kick the can down the road, and they won't address the issue. They want to continue to borrow money. And, like, if you read that same article today, if you look at the amount of money that's going to service debt for transportation mm-hmm. has doubled in the last several years in the state of Wisconsin, and we can't continue that path because pretty soon... We're going to be spending all of our money just to pay debt. Which is which is one of the reasons why Milwaukee finds it's the city of Milwaukee finds itself in the problems it finds itself in because it's been borrowing money and borrowing money, and now it's like, well, we, we have to lay off consider laying off police officers. Um, I. I, I, I think this is complex. You know, we've talked about this before in many capacities. I think the idea, and you are again right, they're trying to raise $8 million and then use that as leverage for more borrowing. I'm not convinced that the borrowing, candidly, that they're talking about is unsustainable. Borrowing in itself, in and of itself isn't bad. I mean, how many people have mortgages? The question is, is it unreasonable borrowing? But we have to find a long-term solution. I, I want to get a budget done now. But big picture, I, I think... Over the next couple of years, we got to figure out where we're going. And I, I do think trying to get more towards a use tax basis, that's the way it's got to go. It's 1129. Hey, Pop Culture Corner is coming up. Stick around. It's 1136. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. All right. This is the portion of the week where we stop the heavy lifting. We stop worrying about taxes and words to describe President Trump and crime in Milwaukee and all those different situations and try to lighten up and have a little bit of fun just for the next segment or two. I call the segment Pop Culture Corner. Some days we talk about movies, some days television, some days books, some days food, sometimes cars, sometimes sports. Just um, whatever I've been thinking about during the course of the week that tickles my fancy, and I hope will tickle yours. For Pop Culture Corner this week, it's, um, I hate to say this, but it is it is just flat out, the it is the end of the summer. Um, for many people, school is back in session. If not, uh, the Labor Day weekend that's coming up represents the, the last time to kind of you know, get away. Matter of fact, I was talking to some friends the other day, and they um, they have a, uh, they have a trailer that, that they visit, and trailer is not necessarily the right way to describe this, but it, it's a trailer, very nice trailer. But they go, um, that's their big thing. They, they go, it's outside the Wisconsin Dells, um, and, and that's their their getaway that they, they use. I know for a lot of people during the summer, you know, on weekends you go to your cottages up north. 
for lots of people, especially with gasoline prices, is low. You know, you've been using this as an opportunity to take maybe car vacations over the course of the last couple months as a way to get get to see America because it's it's affordable now. But regardless, uh, there's, you know, we as Americans, we, we, we love to take our our vacations. There's a lot of great spots in the world to go to see. There's, there's no question about it. And I, um, there's a lot more places on my bucket list that I, I hope to get to. I've actually been very fortunate in my life that I've been to a lot of places in the United States, seen a lot of great things. And there's a lot of places that, candidly, I still haven't seen or places that I'd like to go back to. So I thought with the end of the summer coming on, this upcoming weekend maybe being the last time for at least a little while that people are going to be able to get away on on perhaps even a family vacation, I thought we would turn the focus on Pop Culture Corner this week to to vacations. And so here's my question. The best vacation spot in the United States, if if there was one place that you could go back to or go, or that you would recommend everybody who's listening to us go. And, and the caveat here is, in the United States, doesn't have to be in the continental United States, but that, that one place that you've always wanted to go, or that you've been to, and you think everybody should go to, the best vacation spot in the United States, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. In addition, we are live streaming here on Facebook Live, so you can go to facebook.com slash 620WTMJ. I'm following my Twitter feed. There's all sorts of ways to communicate with us, um, but the best in some respects is the old-fashioned way, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Best vacation spot to kind of honor the end of the summer Best vacation spot in the United States. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're first. Good morning. Hey, Jeff. Mine is Boston because the Bruins games are very fun, even though I'm a Minnesota (laughs) Wild fan. There's a lot of cool historical stuff, such as a bar that prides itself on being the only place where you can look at a cold Sam Adams while (laughs) drinking a cold Sam Adams. (laughs) See, see, Jeff, I thought you were going to tell me Boston because you've got all the historic stuff that's going on and things like that. You're telling me because of hockey, huh? Well, there is a lot of awesome historical stuff, too, like like the uh, the Freedom Trail and Bunker Hill and and all that stuff, too. Right. Okay, fair fair enough. But but there's also the hockey. See, when when it said Boston, I was thinking, okay, Boston, Massachusetts. Well, sure. I mean, it it just, I mean, it just kind of reeks of. And I mean reeks in a good way. It, it reeks of American history. And if you're an American history fan, Boston is just a tremendous place to be, especially in the fall. Just absolutely beautiful. 414-799-1620. Okay, on our Facebook live stream, Brian says Door County. You know, it's it's interesting. Um, I, I've lived in Wisconsin most of my life. And I've been to Door County for things, but not not a lot. And uh, my fiancé just absolutely loves Door County. We were up there a few months ago, right before that the season really started. We stayed at her sister's condo. Had a great time. Just had an absolutely great time. And um, I, I'm definitely going to be going back more. I hadn't been to Door County in years. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Pam in Greenfield. Pam, good morning. You're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning. I went to Hot Springs, Arkansas, and what a fascinating uh, city. Uh, mm-hmm. Al Capone was there. Um, all the criminals were there, and uh, history-wise, <laughs> incredible. And the Hot Springs. 
Springs was was just amazing. Oh, it, you, yeah, I, I've never been there, so it was it was it was a great place to be, huh? Yeah, it really was. Plus, you could look for dimes, you could go golfing. <laughs> um, you know, they have water fountains. You have hot water literally coming out of the water fountains. Hence the hot springs, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just, I mean, and with El Capone and then the baseball, um, Aaron, no, I'm thinking, now I'm blacking, forgetting okay. about the foot baseball player, but baseball used to be down there, and uh, it was just fascinating. Hot spring, okay, hot spring. I never, never, I, that's that's one that's not on my list. Let's see, on our text line, Hawaii, nothing else like it. Yeah, I am... Um, if if you get a chance to go to Hawaii, my my advice is do it. If nothing else, for the opportunity to go and see Pearl Harbor. I, I'm I'm big into American history, and um, you know Pearl Harbor in Hawaii, uh, Gettysburg. If you get a chance to go to Gettysburg, go to Gettysburg. Um, I, I always recommend if you're going to visit battlefields. If possible, do it when the battle was fought. I mean, go go to Gettysburg, you know, in the first couple of days in July, and you can get kind of an idea of what it must be like to do that. If you're going, and on my list of must-see places, if you're going to San Antonio, go to the Alamo. My gosh, I just... I've told this story before. Last time I was there, I was annoying to the people I was with. I know because they kept wanting to go out to dinner and stuff, and I kept wanting to go back to the Alamo. 414-799-1620. Pat in Elm Grove. Pat, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi. Hi I Pat. recommend Yosemite National Park. Mm-hmm. It has sites that you just can't believe are there for us to enjoy. They also have things for every budget, from tent camping to the most luxurious hotel. They have little grocery stores, high-end restaurants, and everything in between. Mm-hmm. Rent bikes, rent horses. There's lakes. It has everything. Yosemite. You know, it, 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 thanks for calling. See, I think you could say that, and I, I, you, I've been to Yosemite. Um, I, I think you could say that about a lot of the national parks. It's, it's interesting. I have a uh, on our text line. I have a text from Bobby who says Yellowstone, but she says exactly the same things you said, Pat, almost verbatim. So many different geological fe- features you won't find anywhere else in the country. It's just beautiful. Okay, we continue the conversation next. It's Pop Culture Corner. All right, in honor of the end of the summer. Best spot in the United States to go for vacations. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1144. It's 1147. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, Pop Culture Corner. It's the end of the summer. We're talking about best vacation places to go on Facebook Live. Jim Wright, which we are live streaming the show on Facebook Live, so you can watch how we do this all. Facebook.com backslash 620 WTMJ. Uh, Jim says, Pebble Beach in the Monterey Peninsula. That That's beautiful. There's a picture of me on my desk right here at work, um, me teeing off on the 18th hole at Pebble Beach. The swing looks really good. I won't tell you what happened to the shot after that. Um, Sharon says, spring training in Arizona. It's a must if you're a baseball fan, but they also have many more things to do. Yeah, March in Phoenix doesn't get much better than that. 414-799-1620. Craig in Oshkosh. Craig, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Um, I, my wife and I just went two weeks ago. I'd never, ever been out west to South Dakota okay. in, in, in Wyoming. It was just beautiful. We went to Mount Rushmore, right. Custer State Park. Yep. Deadwood, all that that whole area. Um, Did you stop just, at Wall Drug? Wall Drug, <laughs> yep. You got to 
stop there. You got to stop there. Definitely. I, I absolutely loved it out there. It was it was nice. It was. Um, I have a special affinity for that. One of um, one of my roommates in college worked for two summers at Wall Drug in in South Dakota, and um, a, a woman I I used to date a woman whose parents were from. Or she was from Rapid City, South Dakota. So we would. Uh, we would go to visit, and South Dakota's there. There's a lot of South Dakota, and there's a lot of there's not that many cities necessarily there. But you get to Rapid City, South Dakota, and then you drive another like thirty or forty miles. The next thing you know, you are you are at Mount Rushmore. Let's see, um, on our on our text line, Upper Michigan, you can see the shores of uh, Lake Michigan, um, Huron, and Superior in one trip. It is just beautiful. I used to spend a lot of time or at least a little bit of time when I was a kid, in Marquette, Michigan, which is very, very pretty as well. 414-799-1620, places to go for vacations. And by the way, isn't it interesting that we're, we're, we're talking about, you know, pretty places or historic places so far? No, no Disneylands, no Disney Worlds, no Las Vegases, all of, which, all of which are fine places for vacations as well. Tom in Watertown. Tom, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Tom. Rileyville, Virginia. Okay, well, tell me why. Uh, everywhere you go around there, you got history. It's by Luray. You got the Skyline Drive right next by. It's in the Shenandoah Valley. Okay, all right. Okay, Shenandoah Valley. All right. I was trying to figure out where exactly that was. Okay. Yep. And we have a we had a cabin up there. That okay. We at, and you're sort of in the mountains a bit. Right. Just a beautiful area. Yeah, Virginia. Thank, thank, it, Virginia is a beautiful state, and it's such a a diverse state as well. Um, my, my very best friend went to undergraduate at William and Mary in Williamsburg. As a matter of fact, that's that's where you know he got married to his lovely wife. And I, I can that was that was cool. That was just a great place to be. Now the wedding was in August when it was ninety five degrees and a hundred percent humidity. But but at the same time, I mean, you want to talk about just another place that absolutely totally one hundred percent oozes history um that's it on our text line dan says san francisco and napa sonoma uh try to avoid earthquakes uh we were there in the 89 quake and it was an adventure san francisco i think is one of the great american cities um napa sonoma that that is on my i have never done a tour of like wine country and stuff and that's actually that's actually on my list uh maybe sometime in the next couple years steve in madison steve you're on 620 wtmj good morning Morning, Jeff. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Um, this when we talk about faraway places, it's I. Uh, I think, gosh, there's all these places I haven't been to. Yeah, you know, I would recommend for anybody that gets a chance to visit Grand Lake, Colorado. Okay, where is where is that? Well, Grand Lake is about 45 miles north of Winter Park, which is uh, you can get to from Denver. You get to Winter Park in about 60 minute drive. Okay, outside of Denver, then. Okay. Yeah, so west of Denver, and then north of, of Interstate 70, and and Grand Lake is one of those places that for folks that kind of want to get away from the crowds and, and be out in the mountains. Okay. And you can actually go sit on a beach at the lake and then look at the mountains. It's pretty fantastic. Oh, cool. Sounds like a, it's interesting. Thank, thanks for calling. I was at, um, I was having dinner last night with a, a dear friend of mine, and she, um, her, let's see, her brother and sister-in-law, her sister and brother-in-law, um, they have a place in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And just, um, matter of fact, they're building a house there, she was telling me. They just absolutely love it. Let's see, on our text line, Joe says, fall in northern New England. You can climb Mount Washington in New Hampshire, see the sunrise in Maine, where the light first hits the USA, uh, Bar Harbor, Maine. Um, it's just, uh, the lobster is cheap everywhere as well. Yeah, I, I love that. Actually, you know, one of the other places on my list is, um, 
is, is I, and I've been there before, Key West. And matter of fact, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna be heading back to Key West sometime uh, soon. Saint John in the U.S. Virgin Islands, that is paradise. Yes, and then somebody says Scotland. Well, that's Scotland. I've never been to Scotland. I'm sure it's wonderful, but we're talking about places to vacation in the U.S. All sorts of good ideas. I hope if you had a chance to go on vacation, whether it's whether it's Door County, whether it's up north, however you want to describe it, you know, whether it's to an historic battlefield, whether it's to Disney World, or whether it's to Vegas, or whether it's to somewhere else, hope you got to go to a fun place this summer. Get yourself recharged and ready. Fall is coming on.